That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Last time we talked to you, the world started to end. What was it back in March? April? It did. <laughs> it's so much has changed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and DC podcast with no limits. What's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is we're going to start with this week's roundtable. We have the Bat Force Times in New York, Grandpa Batman in Texas. No, that's six-time Retro Bowl champion, Grandpa Batman. Thank you. <laughs> retro. Okay, what he said. We've got the Trunkler in Chicago. What's going on? Thankfully, he hasn't been shot this week. <laughs> yes. We've got <laughs> Jesus also in New York. Luckily, he hasn't been shot. <laughs> Thank you. Very grateful. <laughs> and I brought across in Canada, and we rarely shoot each other here. Uh, <laughs> last month. Catwoman issue 23 quickly sold out and went to a second print. Woo! Issue 24 is on sale August 18th and is already listed on back order from distributors. Damn! Woo! Yeah. Woo! Shit! Damn! Returning to the show to take us through the story, its creation, and whatever unprofessional topics we thrust upon them <laughs> are the issue's author, Blake Northcott, and illustrator, Kian Tony. Yeah! Hey. Woo! Hi, guys. Guys, Hello. it Hello. is nice to be back. Awesome. Now, Blake, uh, let's get to business. Give me that recipe for that banana peanut butter cake. <laughs> oh, you know what? That cake was actually uh, Giada. Do you do you follow Giada De Laurentiis? She's a really famous chef, and I had to make it. With it's a name like that, recipes. it already sounds good. So, yes, she's Italian. <laughs> it was amazing. Trust, yeah, you can trust the name like that. Yes, yeah. I can vouch. Um, yeah, I, I gained I'm, 10 pounds just watching that little video. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 2.5 hours of work with my daughter, but worth it. <laughs> so, yeah, first off... I watched that video, too. 2.5 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, first off, since he's not here this time, explain to us how awful it must be to work with Sean Murphy. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Sean... Uh, you know, ahead of talking to you guys, I was like, uh, I wonder what kind of questions they'll ask. And like, this is the only one I got right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know. The, the next one could be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, spoke too soon. Um, well, Blake, uh, you, you've, uh, I suppose, early on, particularly conception of this story, would have worked with Sean super close. So... Yeah, I, well, Sean and I have uh, gone back and forth about lots of different ideas we had for it. And he is, honestly, he is so, um, has so much enthusiasm. And I just, I really find like there's a really good vibe when we're, um, you know, brainstorming together because we will come up with ideas for, uh, we seem to connect that way on ideas that we feel would be 
great, great, you know, story ideas to tackle or whatever, but he is just so funny. And I really get a kick out of, um, you know, just brainstorming with him on, on different creative, uh, projects. So he is the best to work with. I, I love working with Sean. Well, I, I explicitly asked how awful it was, but you didn't oh. really answer that question, but uh, I'll, I'll accept that. Because <laughs> I, I heard he's a real asshole to you guys. I mean. No, <laughs> never. Sean, But uh, as far as the two of you, this was your first time working together as well, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, and it was just, it was pretty cool. Like, even just, just the in terms of the Sean question, guys, uh, I know, I don't know what it's like, what it was like for you, Blake, but from an art perspective, like Sean's extremely intimidating. I mean, as you guys know, I mean, like if somebody like Sean calls you and he's like, Hey, do you want to be involved in this project? And you're like, what would you like me to do? Like clean your brushes or, you know, like I'm totally ready. But, uh, yeah. So he, he is, a again to blake's point like so so friendly and like he really just he, he he's there for you if you need him but man it's scary like uh initially because you're just not really sure um why well, like you're always terrified that the art's not going to measure up and at the same time you do really want somebody like sean murphy to be giving you pointers so, so on one hand, you're like, oh, my God, I hope he thinks everything is perfect. And then on the other hand, you're like, oh, I hope he points out all the stuff that isn't perfect. Because, like, <laughs> when am I ever going to get the chance to have him to critique the stuff that I'm doing? So you kind of have yourself trapped in this, like, horrible catch-22 of just wanting to impress, but then also wanting to to, to get as much out of it as possible. So did, um, it's scary. Did he, critique, but... did he critique you in a similar fashion as Klaus Janssen? <laughs> no. <laughs> for for anyone who uh, who missed it, the the first time Kian was on the show, he told us the story of Klaus Jansen yelling at him. He's roaring at me, and it's funny now that I'm like, oh, I've totally broken in. You know, I'm working on some cool stuff, and now there's loads of people I don't know, uh, far less famous than Klaus Jansen, who shout at me, which is great. Uh, it's like the joys of Twitter, but. Uh, <laughs> There are toys on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a sadomasochistic thing, isn't it? But um, no, no, he he didn't shout. If anything, uh, Sean was um, pretty hands off. Like he left me to it. There was only one or two things that he uh, in the first issue where he gave me a couple of pointers on just like uh, general anatomy and stuff, things that you wouldn't normally have caught yourself, like stuff that you just can't see, which is which was invaluable. Like it's amazing. But um, yeah, he kind of uh, like you were on the threads. Like he he generally would just like helicopter in like a like yeah. a cool parent and just be like, guys, this is this this looks awesome. Just keep doing it. He's so funny because he would just kind of throw his two cents in along the way. Like after coming up with the original idea, he was like you said. I mean, it's intimidating to work with him because you're like, oh gosh, I hope he's gonna like my ideas and this is gonna work. But uh, he was very uh, quick to say, you know, I want this to be like your story and I'm going to help kind of plot it, but I want you to take over. Um, I have a funny kind of quirky, just hilarious uh, little story. So as I'm writing through the first issue, I came up with the idea for the car, obviously, because I know how much he was like, we have to have a cool car, right? It's Sean. So we're like, yeah, we're going (laughs) to have a cool car. So I was like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if there was like a really funny 
a license plate on this car. And yeah. I was like, this is perfect for Sean. So I was texting him during the day and I threw it over to him and I was just kind of like, could you come up with a really cool kind of like license plate for this car? And immediately he texts me back within like 10 seconds and he's like, blow hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Which we're laughs> So I was laughing my head off. I was like, oh, that's so good. And it's like within a minute, he's just, he's right on, you know, he gives you his full attention. And um, I think that he's just really creative. Like, you know, when you texted him, he was totally like standing in some garage somewhere, like picking out something for his Datsun. And he's like, hmm, staring at all of these personalized (laughs) plates. He's like, which one would I buy for myself? (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah, super fun guy. How many, Kian, how many uh, episodes of uh, Miami Vice did you have to watch to get Snowflame just right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny. It's funny yeah. because, uh, like, this, the script obviously called for something along the lines of um, uh, Don, uh, what's his name? The uh, Nash Don Bridges. Johnson. Sorry, Don Johnson. Yeah, of course. So it called for, for Don Johnson. And that's obviously where I started. And then you'll see as it kind of went on, I started using myself more and more as uh, like when he start when he starts going like really well. You'll see in the next issue. I'm not going to spoil anything, but well, obviously you, can you, can talk, you can talk about anything you want. By the time we'll be putting this episode oh, up, the day that the issue hits shelves, yeah. Well, oh, listen, no spoilers. But obviously, the guy who's powered by cocaine isn't particularly good at keeping his temper. So like he he does. <laughs> He does kind of like speed things up a bit in the next issue. And as I was working on it, I was like, you can totally imagine that there's no picture references of Don Johnson losing his mind in like all these like really slick promotional photos that you can find. So I just was taking more and more of these pictures of myself with my, like my eyes rolling around in my head and my tongue hanging out. And like, again, every artist, every artist will tell you this. Like, I cannot let anybody see the the folder of photo booth reference pictures pictures I have of myself. <laughs> but yeah, like it was really fun kind of going back and looking at all of just like those crazy, like the zoot suit things that they were wearing and, you know, like the, the V-neck things. But they were so yeah. cool. I mean, it's like a whole other look altogether. But I mean, if somebody says in a script, you've got to draw them a bit like Don Johnson in Miami Vice, you're like, okay, I can totally, totally work with this. Like this is perfect. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no, it was awesome. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to start watching any of the issues. But, man, I've got, like, I've got a an unhealthy amount of photographs of Don Johnson on my computer. <laughs> moment, if the FBI ever does <laughs> kick the door in, I have some explaining to do. Hopefully that uh, that wasn't your car that you used for the reference photo for the glove box <laughs> full of cash and blow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, thankfully, I, it should be okay. I think I got rid yeah. of all the evidence. But uh, his shoes are fantastic, though. Oh, they're perfect. Blake, was that you or was that Sean who was like, he's got to be in high tops? Uh, we both were like, yeah, high tops have to be there. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, that was perfect. Uh, that was so much fun. And, like, looking, at, to be honest, again, in terms of looking at picture references, um, those were some fun image searches. Like, just trying to find the right views of all of those shoes. Like, those, the photographs from back then of those shoes in particular were badass. Like, you know, <laughs> there were some very cool photographs of some very cool dudes with some very cool shoes on. Um, now, uh, 
I was going to say, uh, can I just give a quick kind of little story here as we talk about Snowflame? Please do. Um, I don't know how much actually Kian was aware of this, but he was so close to like redrawing both Catwoman, maybe 23 and 24. Mm-hmm. So this, okay, this might have a, a few spoilers here for 24. <laughs> so I'll just let everyone know. If you haven't read the issue, maybe skip forward a couple minutes if you don't want to hear this. But when we were coming up with the concept for this two issue arc, we landed on obviously Snowflame as the villain. And, you know, he's this 80s character who's got his powers obviously from snorting cocaine. So, you know, it's Sean and I was like, there's no way they're going to go for this. And he was like, yes, yes, they will. We're going to, I'm like, okay, we'll give it a shot. So I give, you know, Sean all the credit for coming up with this character because he, he was like, yeah, no, they're going to go for it. So uh, as soon as we got the go ahead to use him as the villain, I just like ran with it. Cause I was like, yes, I can picture this guy exactly in my mind. Um, and you'll notice in issue 23 that Snowflame talks about doing coke for like half of the issue, but he'd never actually <laughs> see him doing it, right? So in 24, yeah. he has to use his powers in this like big finale, obviously. So he has to snort the cocaine, right? So this is where <laughs> things got crazy. Because apparently yeah. like the legal team, right? At DC or whatever, wasn't fully aware of what we were doing. So all of a sudden they must've had this meeting <laughs> about well, what the heck is Snowflame is actually going to do with this cocaine, right? Uh, so at the last minute, I think they must've all gotten together and said, okay, we have to have it, you know, off camera because we can't sh- yeah. actually show this. Yeah. So there's a panel where we got, you know, can had to redraw it um, just as kind of like an off, uh, off panel. But for about 24 hours there, we were wondering if these comics were actually ever going <clears> to <throat> hit the shelves. So that was very stressful. <laughs> it, it was, it was stressful. And for me, it actually went on a little bit longer than 24 hours in terms of, so it was really funny because Obviously, when I get the script, I do the thumbnails and I send them back for approval. Right. And so everything was approved. And the it's funny because the moment that Blake's talking about is mm-hmm. it's so small. And yet it's so important. Like, obviously, the dude who gets powers from cocaine has to do cocaine at some point. And, and yet it was only like it was about a half page or just like yeah. less than a half page. And and what I was doing was, and I I remember talking to Jessica Chen, the uh, the editor on this. She's absolutely brilliant, and she she got onto me, and the as it happened because like I, I wouldn't normally draw all of the pages in sequence, right? So you kind of dip in and out, and and you keep yourself excited about the project by drawing some of like the splash pages and stuff. So everything was out of sequence, and weirdly as it happened, like the last page that hadn't been done was the scene with the with him doing the cocaine. And so like it was absolutely a problem that hadn't happened until literally the end. Like everything was done. And uh and Jessica was like, uh this might be a problem. <laughs> I was yeah. like, it really might be. And uh I was like, well look what I was doing was I don't know if you guys have you Googled uh, Snowflame at all since we started talking about this in the last like few months because he's famous for uh, obviously doing coke but there's a really famous triptych of these of him uh, actually doing it where he just kind of like produces fistfuls of it and just kind of like smushes his face into them <laughs> and so <laughs> but it's, it's so ridiculous like it's so over the top and I was just going to do that you know, and it, and when Jessica said um, we might need to hold on this for a minute, I was like, but 
but this is what you've already done. Like, I mean, like this, it's not even that we're trying to do something super crazy here or something right. like really explicit. Here's a link to when DC already did it. And it, uh, I found it really interesting just because that's how much obviously things have changed since then, mm. that even using previously published stuff as reference, they were like, right. you know, we we do have to be more careful with it. And in the end, uh, I think the solution we came up with, Blake, like I, I was really happy with it. It does happen off camera, mm -hmm. but it seems, I don't know, it seemed better. Like it didn't need to be explicit. It was one of those things right. where it was a little bit more tell, uh, don't show. I assume, uh, I, I, uh, I assume that the solution was rather than having him do handfuls of it, he just sprinkled it on, on a stripper's ass and... <laughs> yeah, something tastes there. <laughs> like times have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to class it up, pass it up. <laughs> I, I was wondering if you had like you know, Ken, if you had to have it like any reference photos for that moment. <laughs> That'll be what the no. feds will bust you on. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no, like I just sat out in the, I sat out in my Lambo and I just was like, you know, <laughs> uh, just took a couple selfies. Um, no, it was it was fun, and honestly, it was Jessica who said. You know, can we do it just out of panel? And I was like, I don't know, but I think that's actually way more fun because it's, I there's something really interesting I think about just the fact that there's totally there's real estate outside the panel, right? Yeah. And and so the idea of him just like dipping his head almost off the bottom of the comic page to do something that shouldn't have been in the comic in the first <laughs> place that just really appealed to me. So. I think it worked out pretty well. And then obviously the next page is when he just like explodes. And that's one of my favorite pages I've ever drawn oh. of anything. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that splash page literally has to be on t-shirts and like, I want a poster of it like oh, it's in my so, office. I was so it's happy so that I actually, I was looking at it today. I was like, man, like Snowflame is bad ass. Like he's so, so cool. cool. <laughs> he's so cool. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. No, no, no. Speaking of splash pages, though, uh, there are some great images of Selena. And for anyone like probably all of us who is a fan of Batman the Animated Series, you guys gave us Selena in the Animated Series costume. Right. That oh. was Sean. Yeah. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. And that may be one reason why you know, this issue is just really hot in the streets because um, people have reacted really positive to that return to that, well, I say return, that feature of the animated series suit. Right. Yeah. It, it's it definitely... Uh, Blake, has anybody asked you about it? Has anyone spoken to you about it? Um, I, I mean, I've gotten a ton of uh, feedback from people just saying that the tone of it is quite different. You know, it's it's meant to be like it's a two issue. We knew we were going to have a little bit of fun with it. It's not, you know, the same kind, kind of tone that was going on previously. And she's coming off of a breakup. So we wanted it to be a little bit more uh, just have a looser kind of feel to it. And I think the the combination of, like you said, the element of her outfit and Snowflame, this ridiculous character, and the the introduction of these two new characters of right. Angelica and Tambra, just all of this together is just creating a really fun atmosphere. And that's what a, a lot of people have kind of been uh, saying to me that they really are enjoying. It's a fun ride, you know. Yeah. That's what they wanted, and that's what it is. So I was so happy to hear that. I love getting feedback from people and. 
the 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 way it's been uh, received is just so incredible. I can't believe. I mean, to get a second printing is insane. Huh. Like, and yeah. and it didn't just go to second print, but it was very quickly selling for ridiculous prices online. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I literally got the last. You. I literally got the last issue in my shop. Wow. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Same. Yeah, because like, Blake, Blake texted me and she told me that like uh, there was a link. Somebody somebody had written an article. I can't remember what the website was, and yeah. they were they were going for like ninety ninety dollars, a hundred dollars or something, and it was crazy. Yeah, sure. yeah. I, I saw a lot of people saying they got the the last copy at their shop. I got the last copy at my shop. They they were already sold out. I work at a shop and I didn't even get a copy. Oh no! <laughs> oh my Damn. god! Because yeah. wow. the thing I'm, is, like, I have a box of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, ninety dollars <laughs> each on eBay. Yeah, uh, and there that, you go. That's the end of my story. No, no, no. I have a box of them. I'll, I'll, I'll pay uh, value. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Blake texted me and she's like, Ian, I think these things are shifting for like like $90 each. And I was like, oh, man, I'm using mine as a footrest. So does that make it more valuable? I guess so. <laughs> wait, wait, you know, with your feet on there? I mean, come on. I'm just resting um, my high tops here on top of the top. <laughs> like He's just doing thing. coke off his. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For an extra fee, your copy will include a photo of Kian doing blow off the cover. <laughs> with, a, with a blonde mullet wig like back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when Blake and Sean were on last time and and we were talking about, you know, the cover that he did. And I was like, man, that'd be funny if if the, the W and the Catwoman were white like cocaine. Sure enough, there it happened. I was just like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't do drugs, kids. It's bad. <laughs> hey, Blake. Uh, uh, maybe you can. I mean, I personally, you can. Uh, if you can't talk about it, that's fine with me. I don't know about the other guys. So I'm sure it'll be a spoiler. But uh, three days ago on Twitter, you put on. Uh, you posted Catwoman 24 drops August 18th. But the picture is a different villain than what is in the uh, issue 23. Uh, right. so no, you put a picture of Codpiece. Oh. Yes, I know. Yes. I actually saw that. <laughs> yeah. See, and I figured that. Well, you know, I know Kian's gonna understand it. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the uh, super fun elements we wanted to have was the auction uh, that mm. Snowflame is running right on the island, and this gave us a chance to really pull a couple of uh, interesting characters from previous, uh, you know storylines and also to have some really cool items up for grab at the auction so uh that you know when you're thinking we're, we're going with we're running with our super fun kind of rompy adventure and we thought well what better you know items to have than you know maybe like uh, you know we talked about already like the the lamp the white lantern ring and the you know the cod piece cannon and stuff like that so <laughs> it's hilarious is that um, I, when I saw that, I was figured, okay, well, maybe in your mind you have uh, a potential another story with uh, such an obscure character. Yeah. You know, since when Snowflame, maybe, you know, with the, especially with the success of issue 23 and 24, maybe, you know, yeah. uh, 25 or 26, maybe you'll be coming <laughs> back with uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. I, 
it's funny like just because you know you were saying that like we had the chance to fill these uh the the auction this the super villain auction yeah. with all of these cool people and all of these cool uh the items and stuff that they had and i had posted um just just a quick shot of uh killer croc in just in a bow tie like like a, mm-hmm. you know those chippendale dancers like it, i just thought it was yeah. really funny that it's a black tie event but obviously croc can't he's not going to fit in a suit so I posted this and I said, uh, I can't even remember how it started, but a lot of people on Twitter, uh, and this is the only reason why I bring this up, is like, man, so many people are crazy about Condiment King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of people that were like, oh, are you, got, are you gonna draw Condiment King in there? And like, I think I I think I managed it, like, because we go back into it in, uh, actually, I gotta dig this out. I don't wanna make any promises that I can't back up, but I, I did try and draw, there's a couple of characters I could only draw from the back and stuff, but I mm. couldn't get over the fact that everybody lost their minds for Condiment King. So like, there's definitely yeah. a hunger out there for, like Blake, we could we could totally come back and just create some oh, yeah. super villain team of uh, reprobates. You definitely have like, you definitely have like Cod Piece, Comic King. Team yeah, there, there, there's there's a, a big love for obscure villains who haven't been used in a long time. Uh, look at how popular Kite Man got after Tom King used him in in his Batman run. Yeah. I, I think I think when you've got these weird characters, but in fairness. When they're in, when they're in the hands of someone like King or someone like Blake, like they can be so much more. I mean, like we do love these characters because they are ridiculous, but they're super charming. But like Snowflame, particularly, particularly in in the issue coming out this week, man, like he's not just he's not just a like a a silly pastiche of of like an eighties guy. He goes crazy in the next issue, Hell like. Yeah. Yeah, by the time by the time I uh, I was pencils down on on like the last page, like I was like, man, this guy could totally he he's got legs, you know, and yeah. uh, and it's funny because like this is lighthearted, but it's lighthearted in the cool way that like films and and this is what I was thinking of Blake when I was drawing some of the stuff in this this uh, issue twenty four, like there's something really cool about when you're telling a lighthearted. story kind of rompy adventure story that the stakes can also get super high i mean if you if you stay in really dark territory all the time like it's it's almost it, it almost wears you down just how right. like everything is at a hundred percent all the time and what i thought was really cool was like in issue 23 there's there's quite a bit of heavy lifting in one issue like we we move uh selena to a new location we introduce a couple of like key players and we let you know what the stakes are and everything. And, you know, it's it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of meat in it, but it really settles into something in the second issue where we're kind right. of carrying carrying it to the end. I loved it. Like when I read the script before I even started it, when I read the script for issue 23 and I was uh, and I read the first page and there was like the, the motorbikes racing through the jungle at night. I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. And when I got issue 24, I was I just started reading because where you guys left off in issue 23, the last thing that anybody has seen, obviously, uh, Selene has just been poisoned and she's mm-hmm. just met the, the the giant panther. And it's like, or uh, so um, it, it 
really becomes her story of the like the lesson that she needs to learn but she goes up against the big bad and it just turns into this really really cool like there's high stakes i loved it uh i was yeah. really excited reading it so um it was one of those times for me anyway when issue 23 came out and it had such a great reception like everybody was so good about it and obviously as as we've seen it's gone back for second printing so like it really had a really cool reception but the whole time I was like, guys, wait until the next issue. Like, I've already seen it. <laughs> I mean, I drew it. Obviously, I've seen it. But like, <laughs> I was yeah. like, I've already seen it. Oh, uh, yeah. I was, I'm super pumped about this coming out. Wow. Uh, What's it I, like I wanted when to, you see I, your... What, what, I mean, you know what the pages and the, the spread and everything, the layout looks like. What's it like when you see it with like a colorist like SEO Placencia? Oh, man. Like when Jessica said early on, she, because uh, in my experience so far, it has been a case of the editors saying to you when you're discussing coming onto a book, are there any particular colorists you'd like to work with? Or, um, But on something like this, obviously, there's a legacy there because you're stepping into uh, something that is well established. And for me, so many of the names that I've been lucky to work with in the last year and on what I'm working on now, like these are just the people that I would have dreamt about. Mm -hmm. So when, when your editor says, Hey, what do you think about working with somebody like FCO? It's just, I mean, it's, it's such a hard question to answer without dribbling. You're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, of course, because the first thing you do is like, I turn around and I look at my bookshelves here and I look at all of the, the, the reference books and all of the comics that I've enjoyed. And like, the first thing you see is Court of Owls. And you're like, oh my God, the colors on oh, that yeah. were absolutely staggering. And so my first response to that was just like, this is crazy. And just overall, you know, you submit your inks and by and large, you don't really kind of see anything for there's a good two, two or three weeks. Sometimes it could be longer before you get stuff back. But then when the colors come back in from an art, from an artist's perspective, it's the first time you get to see your art like somebody else did it. Like there's yeah. such a there's such a vast difference between the state that you left it in and and seeing it again. And then. I'm sure you guys can totally understand, but like when the when the speech bubbles go on it and it just turns into a comic, then it's not even just it's not even pages of art. It just turns into something else. And then when you do get the, you know, these like this, these footrests that DC sends you out that have like <laughs> your issue in it, when you when you take the print, the print edition out and you look at it, it's like, how the hell did it turn into this tactile thing? that we've enjoyed all our lives, but like you were part of it, but so far removed from just this wonderful, like tactile object at the end. It's so much fun. Like, uh, uh, like, I don't know what it's like from a writer's perspective, but for me anyway, every step after I submit my, my line art, it just, it just keeps growing into this whole other independent thing. And it's just a joy watching it happen. Yeah. Um, Especially, I would say, on this issue and these two issues for Catwoman have been absolutely incredible. The whole entire team is just so much fun to work with. And when I would, you know, work on the script, send it back over. I mean, obviously, Sean and I were 
back and forth quite a bit. But uh, when I saw the art come back from Kian, I was literally getting goosebumps. It was so perfect, exactly what we had envisioned. And the amount of detail that he was putting in on, you know, all the jungle scenes and especially the interiors for, you know, when they're at the ball and they're in the, you know, the castle and everything and the vault. I was just, I was literally, I couldn't speak. I was like, this is so beautiful. Um, Yeah. And, you know, he was really great too about if he had any questions, we would be texting each other. He's like, well, what did you think about this? Or I was thinking about doing this for this one scene. And I just felt like he really got exactly the tone and everything that we were going for. Because when this, when they came back, I was just dumbfounded. It was absolutely beautiful. And yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, the colors just make everything pop. And seeing it, um, like you said, when it came back with all of our, you know, our script attached, I was just like, I could tell right away this, there's something special about this book. Like it just, I literally get goosebumps when I look at it. (laughs) It's so beautiful. So I'm really, really proud of the whole entire team. Um, And, you know, the editors, especially that we were working with Jessica and Ben, uh, they were doing great edits. They had some really good ideas and we, we went back and forth on the script quite a few times. So um, it was just a great team effort all around. I, it, it has to be something of a nightmare for editors to be handling an issue where they have to ask the creators to dial back on the amount of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make it easy there. <laughs> Who could have seen this happen? <laughs> Purely for <laughs> research. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love. I, I do love the idea, though, that early on, I mean, the first thing that you would flag if you were discussing using something like this is like, OK, guys, th- th- there is one thing that may be an issue like there. You know, uh, and, and the fact that Sean at the start of all this was like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Something about fault. that just. It is, but it just makes me, of course he said that. He's so funny. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we've we talked about what you were allowed to do, what you, you know, had to tiptoe around, find ways to do. Is there anything that you explicitly were not allowed to do that you wished you could have gotten in there? Um... Well, obviously, because it was a two issue, uh, you know, I would have loved to be able to explore a little bit more of the uh, the characters and had it be a little bit more in depth, you know, because there, there's so much we could have done. But because there, there was a time restraint, because we know that um, Ram B is taking over for, at 25, right? So uh, we knew we had to contain the story within the two issues and... It was just so much fun. I'm really glad how much we were actually able to get in. I thought that some of it might get more actually cut out. So I'm glad for how much we were actually able to to be able to retain in those two issues. Because I feel like there's a lot that's going on. Yeah. I, to be honest, I think I could come up with things that I would love to put in it. But during, like, while working on it, absolutely not. I mean, there's so much in it. Like, if there's, it really does everything it needs to do and there's an economy of storytelling in it that's just it just fits and it buzzes along at such a nice clip particularly in this issue from an artistic perspective man i would love to have spent more time 
drawing just Snowflame when he kind of takes on his <laughs> his snow form. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. Just because you know what's really cool is like the cool thing about Catwoman is she lives in in a in a relatively believable world. Like you 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 understand the rules of the world that Selena lives in, and there was something super cool about how. Uh, because of Snowflame and the way he sets up and then the way the tension ratchets up, particularly in this issue, you know, it goes into full on like that's superhero stuff, which you don't really get to enjoy as much like lighthearted superhero stuff. Like he goes into superpower mode and it felt like a really nice place to uh, stretch my muscles as well because like it's so much fun drawing guys just like power up you know go full mm-hmm. super saiyan stuff so uh the story doesn't need it but i would totally have done another like two or three pages of him just fighting catwoman uh again like this script doesn't call for it it would just be me just gratuitously just drawing more fighting which you know <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that but no i I, oh, no. I wouldn't have changed anything but yeah i totally would have just drawn way more punching <laughs> I I actually have a quick question because I've been you know I'm I'm looking through the issue now. What's the process when it comes to selecting like a variant cover that helps balance the cover that Sean Gordon Murphy did? And you know, like, are all of you guys in that process, or is it something that DC other editors kind of bring to the table, or like at, at what point do people kind of decide to have a couple of variant covers um, align with each other. Uh, yeah, Blake, if you want to take that. Yeah, well, okay, just well, from... I think you should do it because you're the artist here. <laughs> yeah. So so far, I, I would have to say what I find interesting is I, I think when I spoke to you guys uh, the last time, I was saying that my career before working in comics was I was an art director. So I would have been in a similar position as what the editors are now. And it's interesting to me to be uh, drawing now because you are, there's so many of these decisions are editorial decisions and they don't, they don't need you for that. You know, mm-hmm. you're here to solve the creative problems, but there's a certain amount of organizational stuff that uh, is looked after before it comes to you. So I think an awful lot of these times, uh, some of those other artists can be lined up beforehand or else the editor is uh, putting those teams together with a broader view of what it is they're trying to achieve with the book. So in my experience so far, uh, they, they've they never asked me my opinion. And also I've done variant covers for other comics and there has been uh, no talk with the broader team like generally speaking you're in the trenches at that point like you are totally consumed with trying to just hit your pages and the days are are full of drawing and it's quite nice that i think editorial are very much looking after some of those decisions i to be to be honest for me uh i think it's kind of it's actually a stress reliever to know that those guys are looking after all of those things so uh in my experience so far, I've not ever been involved in the variant cover choices. It's always just been a lovely surprise when you find out what's going to happen. Um, and as I said, any variant covers that I've drawn before, like I've done some stuff for for Marvel, and they tend to just reach out, the editors reach out to you directly and say, can you do this? And you just bang it out. Um, but Blake, I don't know if you have any other experience. Uh, 
Uh, no, like the same with me. Uh, I would say that the editors, especially on this book, were uh, Jessica and Ben were open to discussing, you know, when we were talking about the interior artists uh, and we were obviously very excited to get Kian on board. Um, and when Jessica had uh, mentioned the, the colorists, we were all excited as well. But no, I wasn't informed of any decision regarding the variant cover. And like you said, though, Kian, you know, you're so by that point, you're kind of already so involved in the work at hand and the creativity yeah. it requires to get the scripts done or get whatever done you're you're focused on. I don't know if it would be beneficial for us to have to split focus to try to um, also be thinking about variant covers. I think that's something the editorial people just handle great and they did a great job. And then it's a nice surprise when you see it and to be uh, to have the variant covers is always wonderful. So, yeah, yeah I think. I think it's cool because uh, art-wise, when they ask you what kind of colorist would you like, that's something that y you should you should absolutely have an opinion on the kind of tone and stuff like that that you want the book to have. And mm -hmm. so when it comes to variant covers, I actually think if you were too involved in that kind of thing, you might not be able to see the, the wood for the trees, you know? you'd probably be viewing it as an extension of what it is that you're trying to do. And I think the cool thing about a variant cover is that it's supposed to be different. And so there's something really nice sure. about having somebody who's got like an overview of the project who can come in and say, you know what, this could be totally different, which it, one would assume that's what a variant cover is supposed to achieve. Uh, and I think that um, other artists might be much better at kind of like, you know, uh, parsing stuff. But I think by the time you're into drawing something, the idea of trying do you know what you'd end up doing if it was up to you you just pick your favorite artist which isn't necessarily the right choice like you right. just go oh man i totally love like just get jim lee to do it like you know, yeah. he's not he's not busy can you get alex can you get alex ross online one please yeah yeah sure uh, <laughs> and so, uh yeah, variant covers and regular covers in general uh there's sort of a couple different things that can happen with variant covers uh, or or with the standard covers you can have cover art that does tie directly to events happening within the book but yes. you also oftentimes get those covers that are just an iconic image having nothing to do with with mm -hmm. what's going on inside I, I don't right. know personally which kind of a brief I'd prefer, to be honest. I don't know if I would prefer to get a call from an editor that said, hey, can you just like take a quick run through this whole script and, and come up with a key visual for it? Or whether uh, it would be better... Because sometimes, you know, the, the more parameters you have to solve within, the easier the solution is. Like if somebody just says, just do a drawing... Like I'm, like I'm sure you guys, when you were kids, you were drawing. You'd you'd always just go to your parents. You'd be, be like, "What do I draw?" Like you need somebody to establish mm -hmm. some kind of boundaries yeah. for you. And so I don't know. Like if somebody just said, uh, "Keen, we've got this, um, we've got this issue of Catwoman coming out. Can you just like give us a drawing of Catwoman?" I'd be like, "Oh man, that'd just like throw you into a tailspin. I don't know where you'd start." <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it 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 could have been cool if we got a variant cover of Snowflame sitting at a desk like Scarface. Hell yeah! <laughs> I was just like a cloud around him. Hell yeah, big old mountain I of coke. I have the power. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, seeing, I mean, it's a perfect example. You can take a picture of yourself. You know, it gives you the uh, perfect excuse to oh. have a sitting there at a desk with a big pile there. If there you only go. you guys could see me now. 
I was going to say, uh, you know, you're asking DC for uh, an advance on some on some cash because you need uh, a prompt <laughs> yeah. or photo reference. Oh, yeah. Sounds like uh, that take like yeah. <laughs> Hey, you, you, CN's just trying to get in the character. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Oh no, like my my buddies at the start of this were like, dude, what's your research? What's your research budget? <laughs> I was like, who am I send the receipts to? <laughs> <laughs> Depends. What's uh, what's the price of coke these days? <laughs> Blake, Blake, when you approached uh, editorial about introducing, you know, like new characters like Tambra Quartz, did they give you any feedback or hesitancy or anything like that? No. Uh, no, they were great. Um, we discussed how we wanted to have kind of a, a little bit of a counter. Like she, she's kind of a counterpoint to Selena in the sense of, you know, that she's a little bit more in the know of what's going on online and she's, uh, her information become sort of like her power because she's so connected with her networks. And I thought that was interesting to have her as a, a side character kind of counterpoint to Selena. And when we expanded her character as much as we could in these two issues, but I think she becomes a pretty good sort of, um, little nemesis there to go up against Selena and uh, I really like the way we ended it actually at the end of the second issue um, Jessica and I had gone back and forth quite a few times over just the right uh, you know wording of certain uh, certain f- phrases we wanted her to use and it really I just I was so thrilled with how it all came together so yeah her character was really fun to write Um and they didn't give me any pushback on including any new character. Uh, Blake, you know something that uh, that I loved about uh, Tambra as a character, which it's quite funny. Like I was reading the reviews when the when the book came out, and nobody picked up on it, which I thought was really funny. But obviously, she's a she's an influencer, and that's kind of the the kind of uh, rhetoric she uses. But what I thought was really funny was none of the people who reviewed it picked up on the fact that. It's a, it's like a super villain auction, and the yeah. the only thing that she has done is be an influencer, and that's mm-hmm. evil enough to be in there with like Killer yeah. Croc and the Riddler and stuff. And I was like, how did nobody pick up on that? Like, <laughs> she's gonna be on influencers in the wild. <laughs> right. I just thought it was. I think it, like you can talk about you know having a commentary on the way the world is at the moment but that to me was just like and nobody nobody seemed to pick up on it i just thought it was so funny like that's about as evil as you can get i like i I think everyone just understands that already (laughs) that uh the influencers are evil yeah the 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 chihuahua was yeah it was fun like that that was quite funny jessica seemed to get a kick out of that uh, oh the little dog yeah uh, he looks like he's on coke too (laughs) (laughs) his superpower is his eyes go wonkier when he does coke (laughs) (laughs) it's just putting those little things in particularly in a script like this where it, there's space for it like you you can't do it in so many comics that take themselves seriously for whatever like whatever the tone of the script is but when right. you've got a character like that and she's got a chihuahua the thing has to be demented like those things are crazy animals so uh, yes. yeah i have to give him a googly eye as far as far as dc not pushing back on uh, the creation with the new characters i feel like to a degree they may have been relieved for a Sean Murphy project that they were being allowed to know what was going on at all. Uh, I don't know how much of the history you know, but the first time Sean was ever on the show um, for the uh, for the first White Knight series, 
uh, he was talking about how he didn't show them what was happening in issue one until he was already working on issue five. So that if they said, well, if you want me to change the story now, you're going to have to pay me to redo all those issues again. <laughs> oh, my God. So he's, he's from the school of, uh, you know, it's it's easier to ask for uh, forgiveness than permission. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a power move right there. <laughs> God, I should have made Snowflame on him. Yeah. Yeah, you should have drawn Snowflame, you know, coconut first. And then be like, you yeah. got to pay me twice to redraw it, man. Yeah. In, in fairness, hey, man. leaving out to last was a mistake. <laughs> hey, uh, you you, you got to blame Sean for that one. I mean, he told me it was cool to draw Snowflame with a big pile of coke and doing a federal line. I mean, it's not my fault. The funny thing about about it was like just every all of us were were just like this this is this does seem okay and even even Jessica at the end she was like legal have, have raised an eyebrow you know <laughs> yeah uh, but it, it, at no point was anyone like oh my god what have we done it was just like oh really <laughs> like it was pretty funny it was very much like path of least resistance but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. as, as long as you're not uh, catching the attention of AT&T, uh, yeah, no. maybe things are <laughs> well, going to no, be okay. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm sorry. If those guys aren't doing coke, nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody over at AT&T. Yeah. Are, are they talking about me in this book? <laughs> you like, uh, get a, get, get a Snowflame CEO on line two there. Where we've got a yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be at somebody at AT&T at least dressed like Snowflame. Oh, <laughs> of course. I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> oh, you know, I, this just dawned on me. When we get cons back, there are going to be Snowflame cosplayers. Oh, oh, oh yes. that never occurred to me. <laughs> I actually got someone asking me about that on Twitter. They were like, you realize this is going to be the new cosplay sensation. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got to see that oh, that's so cool because like because so uh it's a, it's minor but like we got to redesign his suit i mean yeah uh it's he obviously he's he wears this it's it's quite weird in fairness like i don't know where it comes from um but when you look back at his suit when he first turned up he i i'm not sure whether it's the they they concentrated on the snow part of his name or the flame part of his name or neither, like, I don't know, but he wears, like, this weird, like, a red jumpsuit thing with, they're like snow boots. Like, it's just bits yeah. of everything. And he's got, like, these these studded, like, leather bracelet things. Um, he, he's, he's timeless in his elegance, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and uh, so we got to, we got to redesign him, so we just kind of, like, just simplified it. Kept it very similar, but just, like, slimmed it down a lot. It never occurred to me that hopefully someone's going to dress like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Gosh. so cool. That's so and cool. I, I just want to point out that timeless in his elegance is my <laughs> new favorite quote about, about yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> so but some, somebody's going to be at a con and they're going to come up to show you like, look, I just got. I just got my picture taken with this really cool Snowflame cosplayer, and it's going to be like a Don Johnson photo ops thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's not cosplay. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, or or it's me just like slumped face down on the pile of my, on my table at the bench. I'm like, hell yeah, you know, like, <laughs> or or maybe McFarlane will come out with a fig. You never know. Oh yeah. Oh. Mesco, you listening? Time Studio. He's definitely listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, uh, I, I, do, I do want to touch on also, uh, aside from your DC stuff, like we talked about last time, you have been doing uh, the Darkhold stuff over at Marvel. And is there anything else uh, that you can tell us about that you're working on these days? So Darkhold is uh, still on pause. I was talking to Steve Orlando about it recently. Um, so we were talking to the editors. Things are uh, warming up. The engines over at Marvel are starting to fire again, as you guys have seen. So everything's looking really good. Uh, obviously, we're all kind of uh, trying to get ourselves back up to speed, like at every stage of the process. So I'd say there's another month or two before things start kind of like ticking over properly. Um, and as uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm currently drawing uh, Injustice Year Zero with. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 Nice. So uh, Tom Taylor. So um, yeah. So I'm. Like knee deep in that at the moment. Uh, it is, it's just a digital only release. So they're releasing it in ten page chapters. Mm-hmm. So what's really cool is the the work pace is actually pretty intense. Normally you'd get about five weeks to draw your twenty pages, but you're getting two and a half weeks to draw ten, which makes sense. But it also means that your development time is much shorter. Mm. So. So uh, it's been really fun. Like it's just been up the walls and where this is going is crazy. And the my next chapter is out on Thursday, same or Friday, whichever the 18th or 19th. I'm not sure, actually. Uh, whatever day our Catwoman is out. Uh, the 18th, that's uh, Tuesday. 18th. It's Tuesday, is it? Oh, man. Yeah. Like time is just a flat circle, isn't it? Like, but uh, <laughs> so uh, so that's coming out and there's some pretty cool joker stuff in there that i think you're going to probably see shared quite a bit but uh yeah so that's that's what i'm on at the moment i'm very much having fun in the uh, in the injustice universe and that that makes this a big week overall for both of you with another chapter of injustice coming out uh catwoman 23 uh second print as well as 24 first print and blake i think you also have heavy metal hitting this week correct yeah, I uh, wrote a story for Heavy Metal for the 300 issue, which comes out this week. Uh, and I'm super excited. That's coming out. It's called Synapse. And that'll be um, in the all-star issue for, uh, I believe it's on the 19th. That comes out for the Heavy Metal. Um, and I also did a, um audio story for them, which is like a spinoff of that story for Synapse, which is part of their Wonderwork series. So you can um, listen to it's a, an original horror sci-fi story that will be um, on their um, podcast. But it's more specifically, you can get it for Apple, at iHeartRadio or Spotify. They're all great places to find the Wonderwork podcasts. So, yeah, that comes out also this week. Awesome. Exciting. Big, big week. It and, is, yeah. Uh, whether you... Uh, whether either of you like it or not, uh, it is time now. Uh, we're going to do that lightning round. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> as, uh, as, we, uh, as we did last time, uh, so I had tasked Sean and Blake with coming up with, uh, with a question for the lightning round. 
So what I've also done this week is tasked both Blake and Kian with coming up with questions for each other. And I think it's only fair that we make Kian answer the question from the Sean and Blake episode as well. <laughs> okay. So yes. who wants to jump off first here? Uh, Blake, you uh, should go first. Okay. So I ask. <laughs> okay. You so does that mean I ask you the question first? Oh no, that backfired. <laughs> then you're going first. There's time being a flat circle again. <laughs> okay. Okay, Kian. Okay, go. Where? Go. Okay, where have you ever visited or traveled to that you felt that you left and you were the most inspired? It can be like a place or a building or just anywhere you've been that you felt very inspired. So there's two quick answers to that, right? Uh, And these are, these are earnest heartfelt answers. So there's been like, there's been a a couple of times where, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, but you, so you just arrive somewhere and you're just like hit with the weight of the history of that place. Mm-hmm. Um, that just absolutely just, you know, the, you can go to different cities and you can go to museums and things. And I think you kind of a- expect to see historical objects and things there. But every so often you come across a historical site that really actually hits you. And the first time that happened to me was in Rome. So everybody knows the Colosseum, right? Like the Colosseum is amazing and it's uh, in a yeah, state of disrepair or whatever, but you can walk around and obviously Rome and Italy in general is just an incredibly historical place anyway. But uh, there used to be close to the Colosseum, there used to be this thing called the Circus Maximus, which is where they used to do all the chariot racing. So, you know, like that badass stuff from Ben-Hur, you know, where they're like the, the horse drawn chariots and they've got blades on oh, their yeah. wheels and they just, like attack each other. Like it's super, yep. super intense. <laughs> so, so I was there when I was like 19 or 20. I was with a buddy of mine, Steve. And we said, because we were looking at the map and we were at the Colosseum and we were like, well, the Circus Maximus is just across the street. So we walked uh, a little bit further and we walked over this hill and man, it, it just isn't there. But the the park where it used to be is there and it's just totally overgrown grass. And it's like where people walk their dogs, but it's it, but it's like a, it's like an abandoned lot. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, oh, my God, like thousands, like a thousand years ago. There were there were like death races here. Like this is crazy. <laughs> and that was the first time that I was like, oh my God, where imagination did so much more of the work just because you knew it was there and you were expecting something else. Cause it, like history is on display in Rome. Like it's still there, you know? And then the second yeah. time was when I was in Washington, uh, Washington, DC two years ago, and I was on the Washington Mall. And uh, I walked past the uh, I walked down towards, you know, the the monument to all of the soldiers that died in the war. And it's like just oh, this, yeah. oh man, it's like this this wedge just chopped into the earth and it's all just like black marble and it's polished, right? So it's quite reflective. And I knew that all of the different names of the soldiers who had passed away were all uh, carved into it. But as I got closer and closer, I didn't realize that, man, they're, the names are written in like 0.7 font and they're just, just streams and streams of these names. Like you expected yeah. maybe three or four per line with maybe 12 lines per block. And then you get up there and you're like, no, 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 there's like 15, 20 per line. And there's like 200 lines on each block, man. I walked away from that. Just like, wow. So those are, those are the two answers uh, to that question. Great answers. Wow. Yeah. I, I've thought about it. I've thought about it before. 
came prepared. And <laughs> and uh, I'm I mean, sure you know, you're equally. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to move was on, so if you want to finish that thought, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, no, yeah, no, some places you go to, like you said, it's just, you know, um, like the Lincoln Monument or, you know, there's places that are just kind of common, but there are certain places that actually, like, hit you hard Makes and sense. touch you. And, it, uh, you know, you have that in the rest of your you know, memory for the rest of your life, you know, so that, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah, you walk away from those just so conscious of the fact that something happened you know mm-hmm. like that's pretty cool it situates you in a certain place and time as well which is which is pretty awesome definitely and kian Absolutely. i'm sure you came equally prepared with uh, your <laughs> question for blake this is just so not cool now <laughs> <laughs> so so my question was right it was it was actually i was thinking about this because this is potentially a hard question to to answer because it's such a stupid, easy question. But you know the way people always say, oh, if you uh, if you had a superpower, what would it be? I was going to ask you, this co- potentially a two-parter, what do you think is the worst superpower? Mm. And and then and therefore, <laughs> by default, what's the worst character? Like one that you don't think you oh, could cool. even fix if you were writing. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's this tough. Like, it is tough. That's so hard. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> this is something that requires so much thought because I'd have to go through like what have I read where I was really just felt like that character just sucks, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> uh, gosh, that's because because I, I was thinking about this because Robin asked me. He was like, um, "Have you got a, a like a rapid fire question?" And I said, "Well, you know, what kind of questions are you thinking?" So I thought this would be like just I oh, just toss this out. This would be this would be fun. And and I was thinking the whole time I was like, um, Mr. Fantastic is rubbish. Like he's yeah. absolutely used to, like like stretchy. He stretches. Cats can stretch. They're not superheroes. <laughs> so so uh, that's what I was thinking. So I don't know if that helps as a thought starter. But I was like, man, Mr. Fantastic is does not live up to his name. You know yeah. what? But I will say this in his defense, he is popular with the ladies. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the guys don't be rude. Uh, yes, sorry. It's twenty twenty. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nope. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I would turn it around and say, like, for uh, having a superhero, what kind of like superpower do you think is kind of pointless or you know, like you're saying, like Mister Fantastic or whatever? I mean, I think any superpower, if it's in the right context can and it's written like into a story where it makes sense it can be something that's really cool it's just it depends on what's going on like around the character right like if you're kind of like well that doesn't make sense for for that character um so i've seen stories yeah so i don't know it's it's difficult to say because sometimes you read a story and you think oh well that made sense for that character and it was believable that they were feeling that way or they acted this way so I don't know. That's a hard question. I thought it was going to be like, what color of M and M's do you like? Man, I <laughs> thought, I, I, and I was, you know, I was like, uh, Keen, you really rested on your on your laurels on this one. Like I was like, ah, just swan in with this. Like what what oh, character is stupid? Um, okay, so just an evolution of that question. Then, uh, is there a character that you would really actually just not like to write? Which which is which is a, it's besides, a different besides question. Besides Mr. Fantastic, 
Well, like, <laughs> well, that for me. But like, there are, you know, if somebody came to you, it's really difficult. Um, I've had people pitch stories to me and I didn't realize early on in my career that you can say no. And I know that sounds funny, but it's like you're so desperate to just say yes to to work on something that sometimes the job just if you think about working on it, you just couldn't do it. Um, is there any is there anything that even it, it, well, is the negative version of this question just too broad or is there something? I, no, I would say, though, that as I progress in my career and get kind of more in depth in writing characters I, before, I didn't really enjoy writing villains as much as I like just the idea of the villain in my mind. It was like, well, it's got to be the bad person. You know, I don't like their character traits. I don't like this, this idea of this person. But, um, you know, the more that I become um, able, able to kind of see what, what is the person's motivation? What are they gaining out of this? What are they not gaining out of this? You have to be able to write those characters. You need to be able to step inside that, that idea, that headspace and write them. And I like had a blast writing Snowflame. Honestly, yeah. he was so much fun to write. And when I look back and think about all the characters in this, in these two issues, I mean, he was like one of the most fun for sure, yeah. other than Catwoman. Um, and even though he's ridiculous and he's all these things, it, you know, you, when you get the script done, you're just like, wow, I feel like I, I really did something with this character and it was a blast. So I got a lot out of it. So I would say, even if I don't enjoy writing, you know, maybe a villain, I get a lot out of it and uh, I'm really starting to, to enjoy the process of it. I think there's a lot to be learned from that and you grow as a writer, you know, you grow into it. It's the same maybe for asking an, a, an artist, what do you not like to draw? What do you hate yeah. drawing? But then the more you do it, you probably get better at it and you realize like, you know, the more you do it, the better you get and you're expanding as an artist. Yeah, actually, like, you know, what? that's a pretty, you know, that's absolutely the best possible answer because in fairness, <laughs> Like, first of all, I, I completely underestimated how ridiculous my question was. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, well, I was listening no. to some Blazers talking and it's like, oh, wow, this is okay. Serious answer <laughs> now. <nice, bro." laughs> once again, once again, Blake has saved me. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, no, no, no. But, it, but it's so true because, you know, the thing is, uh, you, if you, I suppose if you do, get a script or something and and initially you're like oh my god i don't know i don't know where the interesting part of this is but when you start to break it down obviously the the point is you've got to make it interesting for yourself right i mean that's kind of the whole that's the whole point that's where the joy of it comes from right yeah uh, how about like um you mentioned don't really like you, you never really like to write about villains um what, what's your stance on like mr freeze or characters like poison ivy where yeah they came out as a villain but as you know who the character is and why they're quote unquote a villain, it's more, okay, I can understand why they're doing that. Like, you know, Mr. Freeze is trying to, he commits crimes to be able to try and save his wife. Uh, Poison Ivy, you know, wants to protect mother earth. How about any of those kinds of characters? Would you be interested in trying to write or, you know, writing for like, like, like a story about them or. Oh, for sure. I mean, Every character, once you, um, you know, the thing too is when you're writing, there's a difference between when you're writing your own characters, like when I'm creating my own novels, or when I'm writing existing characters that have been, you know, the DC characters have been around for so long. They've been so many 
well thought out, you know, uh, pr previous uh, installments written by other writers. So there's a lot of material there to draw from. And once you really kind of get to know the characters' motivations, and like you said, you like with even okay, Poison Ivy, you know, she's she's got all these layers to her, and being able to explore the layers and you know find out what makes them tick and kind of use that in the story, I think it really helps give it an understanding to the character and that your your fans and the readers who are reading it can gravitate towards and say okay I see what's happening with this character uh it makes sense for the story and it's showcasing you know maybe their vulnerability a little bit and makes them a little bit more believable so there's definitely there's so many great stories that can be told from um just exploring a, a villain if you want to call them that um but yeah I love the idea of having multiple uh levels to the to the kind of psyche of that character and you get to unravel that with with the story uh, there's a there's a there's a an idea like a project that i've been kicking around in the back of my head um that i i don't know if it's possible and actually blake this is the kind of thing that i'd, I'd probably actually text you and just and kick this one backwards and forwards just because i've been thinking about it a lot but so uh, generally speaking, if you've got a even if you've got a bad guy, you've got to give them um, you've got to give them a moment where people realize that they're not entirely bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, kind of like Killer be... Croc in a bow tie, right? Yeah, yeah, precisely. <laughs> and I and I really I feel I have, a, I, have a, I have a gift for for finding those moments. <laughs> but uh, maybe you'll see that you'll see uh, Killer Croc Chip and Dale cosplay. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like you've got a condiment king will be robbing something, but then we'll stop to put some ketchup on a child's chips, and then you're like, oh, he's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but um, but what I would love to do is, I I don't know if it would be the most boring comic in the world or if it would be the coolest comic in the world, but I'd love to write a villain that has absolutely no redeemable. Uh, uh, features whatsoever and like he's the main he's the main character and that's really difficult because you your characters should be obviously interesting and tortured or they should have a goal and all that kind of stuff but like villains can do that but the villains that we love the most to your point before about like poison ivy and stuff is because they're kind of anti-heroes like they grow into this this thing where you you might not necessarily agree with their goals or or at least you can respect the goals they have, but you certainly don't like the manner by which they try to achieve those goals. I mean, that's what makes them bad guys. But I just don't know if it would be possible if you could just write a bad guy who was just bad. I mean, nothing redeemable. He doesn't stop to, like, you know, rescue the pram as it rolls down the steps of City Hall kind of stuff. Like, just, just, just be bad. And I think the closest is maybe something like uh, have you guys read nemesis the mark miller oh yeah yeah like yeah. it's just batman but he's just uh, bad that, that that's know? a much i that's a much better example i was thinking dr claw from inspector gadget <laughs> <laughs> uh, get your he's next great. time so gadget cool. <laughs> <laughs> dr claw so i hadn't thought about dr claw so um just in case if the listeners haven't listened to the previous episodes of bad first radio which you can find on youtube uh iTunes and Spotify. Um, is there a care like if DC came to either one of you and said, you pick the character you want to write and you pick the character you want to draw, you don't have to do it together. It can be separate projects or together, whatever you, 
And what character or group, if the, what would be a dream project if DC came to you both and said, what do you, what do you guys want to work on? Dr. Claw. Sorry, let me put this in. Besides anything you've already done before. So you've got to pick characters you've never had uh, any work <clears throat> Wow. Uh, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it just popped so, my head, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, there's so many great ideas for characters, though, uh, but, like, two that kind of just popped into my mind that I have thought a little bit about. I mean, obviously, the character of uh, Booster Gold, I think that he is a really underused kind of character that could be really fun uh, if he's handled the right way. Uh, and also, I mean, I love, I've loved Wonder Woman for a long time. So Wonder Woman is probably one of my dream projects, but, uh, I think there's a ton of great characters out there. Like I said, you know, even sometimes someone you might not be thinking of, I think if handled correctly, it could be a ton of fun to, to write. So, uh, I'd be interested in a lot of them, but for sure, those are two that just kind of came into my mind. Yeah. Like if DC said, you know, no holds barred, what do you want to do? Whatever story. How, you know, whatever you want to draw. You know, that kind of a thing, too. Well, Bruce Gold would be kind of cool, too. <laughs> I feel like he could be a cool uh, kind of counterplay on sort of a, a Deadpool-ish character if handled the right way, you know? He's kind of a really fun, fun character. I, I have a question for Blake. Um, kind of adding to um, the previous comment. When you have to tackle a villain and you have to be in the driver's seat as a writer do you feel inclined to be more empathetic or do you want to try to convince them that they're more a villain sometimes like what what's your first initial thought sometimes like do you want to try to convince um people to kind of see eye to eye and kind of explore more of their perspective of why they are that anti-hero or like do you have mixed feelings sometimes when you deal with a villain or yeah, um, I guess it depends, too, for, uh, on the genre that you're writing for. I mean, I've written some things like, you know, the story I just did for Heavy Metal. It's a much darker uh, world that it's set in. It's a much darker theme. And, you know, it's not like teen. It's a little bit more uh, age, you know, like the, the age is a little bit older than what it might be for a Catwoman comic. So it depends on, too, what you're writing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are certain elements that you want to explore of your villain to see like is this someone that you want to have be redeemed in any type of character arc or is it just someone that is there um to kind of advance the the plot like what's the point of the character so all of those things come into play when you're um kind of mapping out the the story at hand and if you want to see where it's going to go um those things would definitely be taken into account I can't say that I ever feel like I want to create a character where there's absolutely no redeemable qualities. Uh, I'm a very positive person and I always feel, <laughs> like, you know, just my general sunny nature is I like to think that, you know, people learn from their mistakes and grow and all of that. So I try to incorporate that into my writing as well. Um, but, you know, that is something that you would have to think about and reflect on when you're doing uh, a character arc for a villain, for sure. Yeah. I have a two-part question. Um, I'll start with Blake. What is the name of Tamara Court's dog? <laughs> dog. Great. That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, the little dog that goes, yip, yip. 
Is his name Yip Yip or what's his name? <laughs> I'm trying As, to think. I know Blake, Blake's flipping through uh, Catwoman, Catwoman issue 23 and 24 right now. And, or just, and or Ken, like flicking back what? through the character Bible to find out what the dog's motivation was. And, you know, just <laughs> yeah. And Kian, what superpower yes. does this dog have? Oh, man. Are you, he can absolutely see clearly through time. Uh, both what has yet to happen. That, that's that's why his eyes are in opposite directions. Absolutely. He's simultaneously looking forward and backwards into time. He's literally watching see the future. He's watching both sides of the flat circle at the same time. Oh, exactly. Superpowered dog. Kronos the dog. <laughs> right. Uh, I, and I want to mention if your uh, time is a flat circle statement was a reference to True Detective. Uh, it absolutely was. It absolutely <laughs> was. What a nerd. Who <laughs> <laughs> would know that? <laughs> Who had a nerd on this podcast? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, they wanted to get themselves a fucking wedgie, you know, and a swirly and shit like that. Take, take, yeah, take yeah. that much money. Oh, I, I, put, I, put yourselves in your lockers, please. This is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't let uh, I can't let Keen get away with this one. We do have to to go back to the question from the oh, no. Sean and Blake episode. So that question was I had to go back to through text messages to find the exact wording. It was uh, what oh. fictional character did you have a crush on as a kid? Oh, oh nice. Oh, oh my god! And I can only uh, I was about to say can I only pick one? But then I was like, don't be stupid, Keen. Be yeah. cool, right? And, <laughs> So, uh, oh my God, Wait, a fictional character. Wait, yeah, hold Sean, on. Sorry. Sean, Sean said Sean said Rainbow Bright, but then he <laughs> later in the conversation accidentally revealed that it was actually April O'Neil from the Ninja Turtles movies. <laughs> actually, you know what? Sorry, I, I I remember I remember saying that in that episode. I remember the Rainbow Bright thing that really made me that. <laughs> Also, the weird thing was, I was just like, sorry, just to specify, you, you did say fictional. And I was like, Keen, don't start listing off who you fancied when you were a kid. That's why I told you I wanted to commission you to, to draw a sexy rainbow bright for him. <laughs> yes, I heard, that's what we were talking about. It. Um, okay. Um, I mean, like, the, the most overarching one, uh, like, the easiest one, obviously, as any, any kid my age is like, oh, it's Psylocke. Obviously, like from the X Men. There you go. It's just amazing. But nice. but realistically, oh dude, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like even yeah. now. Ooh. Sir Michelle Gellar? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like um, I like your answer. And then and then I would say, like, as an as an adult, the fictional character that I realized I was in love with, right? And and just this is important to stress this, is absolutely Monica from Friends. And I want to <laughs> And I want to stress that it's not Courtney Cox. It's Monica. Monica. Exactly. Oh, man. She's just such a, she's such a freak. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, well, That's the other Fictional crushes. You, know, you, come, you, know, you really need to come to like uh, some American cons like C2E2 next time, the 2021. And, um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I go to a bar. Maybe we'll hit a, a, a club one here and there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh yeah, like yeah. I like the answers there, buddy. <laughs> Man, you guys just gotta take me out. I think that's the <laughs> that's the the answer here. So does that stack up? It's not Rainbow Bright, but uh. Very good. Yeah, I, I I think that 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 definitely works. 
And I also think that uh, we have been dragging Kean into the wee hours in Ireland, and yes. we should probably let him get off on his yeah, way. Let the neighbors let the neighbors sleep. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming back, both of you. And in case anyone missed it, Catwoman twenty three, Catwoman twenty four, Injustice, Heavy Metal. Get your asses out there and read them. Hell yeah. Guys, thank you so much, guys. Thank Thank you you guys so much. Hey, Gotham Dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs. (laughs) 